0: Blaze Radio Network. And now, Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. Breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another episode this week of Reform This on the Blaze Podcast Network. It is always an honor to be with all of you. Thank you for joining me again. If you've listened before, if you're new, I hope you're looking for a unique take on patriotism, on the political landscape that we see today, and on whether it's political Islam or Islamism. I always have felt not only is that a pathology that needs to be treated when it comes to a quarter of the world's population that I still think needs to go through reform. I I do think for our battle against wokeism, against political correctness, identity politics, and all the other ramifications of the divisiveness that is the suppression of free speech in the last few years, I, I think the topic of Islamism crosses those barriers. And today you will see a clinic a clinic in the overlap between the far-left and the Islamists, overlap between the wokists and the Islamists, and a lot more to come. But first, let me wish all of my fellow veterans and all of the Gold Star families and and all of you that have loved ones or um, family members and family members that have served in the military and those that gave the ultimate sacrifice on this Memorial Day week we thank them we we pray for them always and we are blessed to live in a country that has so many and and, and sadly hundreds of thousands that have given their lives over the years to protect us to allow us to live in freedom liberty to to preserve the system of laws, the Constitution that gives us the freedoms to be American, to live in this country, to raise our families, to live the American dream, to, to have an American dream. And uh, I remember the, and I talk about this in my book, A Battle for the Soul of Islam. My grandfather used to tell me, and if only he was alive to see what has happened in Syria since He passed in 1976. He used to tell me as a child that if you are too many... This this harkens back to something Reagan later said, that we are only one generation away from losing our freedoms. And my grandfather used to remind me that sometimes when you live in democracy, when you live in freedom too long, it's like the air, it's like oxygen. You breathe it and you don't really realize the life it gives you. And... Maybe it's as the son of immigrants who escaped a a ruthless evil system like exists under the Ba'athists, under the radicalism that is the Syrian regime. I remember, I know, I didn't live there, but I'm told. I have family members that are there that we, we try to keep in contact with. And since the revolution in 2011, we are reminded, we are starkly reminded of the beauty of the freedoms that we have here in the West and especially in America. And on this Memorial Day, we're reminded that no freedoms come free, no freedoms are to be um, taken for granted, that we are always on the verge of losing them, of being challenged about them, and of proving that we deserve them, that we ultimately want to live up to the the challenge, live up to the rights that we deserve to have as human beings, equal under God, equal before God, and all of us have those rights as guaranteed by our Constitution. But the Constitution is but a piece of paper if, if we do not live up to the morals, live up to the history that is American freedom. And on this Memorial Day week, we're reminded of those freedoms, and how much, you know, you can disagree with policy, you can disagree with the government, uh, your your party, or, or the other party, the other parties, if you will, uh, depending on where you are on so many issues. But there should be a there should be a concentric circle in the middle that is an inviolable love of this country, a patriotism that. We might disagree on how to get there, but ultimately, a patriotism that has a red line of who we are, what we are defending—whether it's the inviolability of free speech, the inviolability of equality, the the uh, Bill of Rights, um, uh, the uh, uh, all of the aspects of what make us human—are things that this country now, in its 3rd century is always protecting. And this week I want to spend a little bit of time talking about an Islamist by the name of Fatima Musa Muhammad who was selected by her colleagues to give the commencement speech at SUNY, C-U-N-Y, the City University of New York Law School, graduating lawyers And the video has now started to circulate, has gone viral. And yet some of us have been following her vitriol and the radicalism of her and her colleagues and the BDS movement and others for some time. And now everyone is sort of shocked at what she said in her graduation. But let's talk about this because ultimately, ladies and gentlemen, to me as an American, as somebody who loves this country... I'm going to ask you this many times today. For those of your friends, for those, or, or not your friends, but those who you may have contact with, who speak in ways that detest or disgusted by this country, my question is, why are they here? Why do you stay and a marriage with a country to which you hate. And you're constantly talking, not even like a divorcee, but like somebody who who, who viciously, vehemently, virulently hates this country. Why do you stay here? Go to another country. Go and, and be courageous. Grow a spine. And declare war on this country openly instead of living here and... Declaring how much you hate this country. Well, let's look at what Fatima said. This law school's commencement speech featured a speech by a graduating student calling for a revolution, and that student is Fatima Muhammad, a revolution to challenge oppressive institutions in America. And according to Fox News, the speaker mentioned institutions of law and order such as the military, the police, immigration, and customs enforcement in the U.S. prison system. She said, quote, I come to you all from the rich soil of Yemen, raised by the humble streets of Queens. The future lawyer, Fatima Musa Muhammad, who was selected by the 2023 class to speak at the May 12 CUNY Law Ceremony, At first, the law school took down the speech. This is how weak the administration... And look them up. Look who's the dean of academic affairs for CUNY Law School. Look who's the administration on the board of directors of their foundation and others. Because these are not Islamists, but they are people that obviously are facilitating an active erosion of who we are as Americans. So this speaker... they took down the, the, the video, but then thanks to many groups that demanded that it be posted because it got posted again. Now, some of the groups that wanted it to be posted was the pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas groups that said that it was silencing their allies. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, let's let us let that be publicized because I would tell you that I believe that over 90-95% of Americans not only get nauseated but, but would not tolerate this kind of speech. Let's walk through it because I think the clinic to this is not just one speaker that happened to all of a sudden exploit her platform. But the themes that run through her speech run at the core run at the core of how destructive the progressivist, Islamist red-green axis is Run at the core of how wokeism is not just about so-called equality it's actually against equality it is about actually supremacists who think so negatively about America they call America supremacist by the way Fatima Muhammad last year tweeted how much she hated America and put KKK as the K, instead of the ICA of America at the end, put KKKA because she believes this country is supremacist and racist. As she graduates from her law school with a law degree in her hijab, which nobody restricted her right from wearing. She said, I chose, in her speech, she said, I chose Sunni Law School of Law because it articulated mission as one of the few legal institutions to recognize that the law is a manifestation of white supremacy that continues to oppress and suppress people in this nation and around the world. I I I couldn't find that on their website. But if that is true, these are the institutions that are eroding who we are, that In history, leaders from Kennedy to Reagan have said that we are but a generation away because the future generations, if they are learning, if they believe that it's not about policy but it's about an inherent institutional pathology, then we've lost. Then America is no longer. America becomes a caricature of our enemies, And that's what the Fatima Muhammad's of the world are all about. She said, no one person will save the world. No single movement will liberate the masses. Those who brought the ferocity of the violence, those who carry the revolution, the people, the masses, those who brought, will need our protection. They will carry this revolution. She said that the revolution's ongoing. Oh, okay. What is that revolution? She said the revolution that lives so loudly despite not being televised. No longer are we going to capitulate to oppressors. No longer are we going to put our hope in their depraved consciousness. She called for the liberation in light of the murder of black men like Jordan Neely by a white man on the MTA and saying it was dignified by politicians. She then called for the dismantling of capitalism. The joy and excitement that fills this auditorium, she said, May it be the fuel for the fight against capitalism, racism, imperialism, and Zionism around the world. Note the isms that radicals like this, terror sympathizers like Fatima Muhammad, note the isms that they indict. Americanism, Zionism. Democratic principles of countries that are the most innovative in the planet, with the most startups, with the most creativity when it comes to free markets and otherwise, and yet demonized by the far left, most of whom have not produced one product to help humanity, but rather are destructive and fueling movements that are about storming malls, stealing property as we saw with Black Lives Matter and others and we still see large cities from San Francisco to New York to Chicago, LA and all over the country where cities now have had significant increase in vandalism, looting, and destruction, where leaders like this and speeches don't call for the end of that. They actually fuel it and blame it on supremacism, which she, by the way, is. If you look at her Twitter feed over the last few years, I'll share some of that with you shortly. She's actually the real supremacist, the real hater, the real bigot who's an anti-Semite, who is an anti-American. And you have to ask the question, why is she living here? Why does she not go to Yemen where her family's from? If she loves Yemen so much and she wants to be so Yemeni rather than American and hates this country because of its history, because of its racism, then please, by all means, go to Yemen, join its military and become a Yemeni soldier and then declare war. No different than Remember, Awlaki, Imam Awlaki, who radicalized Nidal Hassan and others, where did he seek refuge? He sought refuge in Yemen. And that's where he was thankfully killed by a drone after he declared war on America and drove countless number of terrorists to attack Americans and Westerners all over the world, as Imam Awlaki did so from a perch in Yemen. Is it a coincidence that this speaker who hates this country, who invokes supremacism and bigotry and anti Semitism in her words against America from a days in New York hails from Yemen. I don't see anywhere in her social media platform that Miss Mohammed spent any time talking about the gifts that this country gave her, talking about the gifts of freedom, of the ability to get an education and and live her American dream. No, instead, her parting shot as she gets her graduate degree in law is that the entire legal system is supremacist. Instead, her parting words, voted by her fellow students, by the way, to speak, as the dean and others sat behind her on the stage applauding. The, the audience was applauding and the, the leadership sat with smiles. Maybe they didn't applaud every one of the horrifically abhorrent comments she made. But they sat there and then applauded at the end of her speech. The only statement they released was, student speakers offered congratulatory remarks and their own individual perspectives on advocating for social justice. As with all commencement remarks, they reflect the voices of those individuals. That's what she said. That's what they said, I'm sorry. And yet, Muhammad said in her speech, Systems of oppression are created to feed an empire, oh, America an empire, with a ravenous appetite for destruction and violence. Institutions are created to intimidate, bully, and censor and stifle the voices of those who resist. I'm sorry, but the bullies and censors are the Hamas operatives like herself, are the Islamist sympathizers, the BDS movement that wants to economically destroy our closest ally in the Middle East, Israeli democracy. During the speech, Mohammed spoke out against the perceived injustice of, quote, Palestinian political prisoners like HLF in U.S. prisons. I'll remind you, HLF was the Holy Land Foundation board that included leading so-called mainstream Islamists that funneled money to Hamas, that the government exposed was part of a network of the Muslim Brotherhood during their trial, and got to conviction in 2009... And that was proven by the government and agreed by a jury of their peers in Dallas that they were violating federal laws against funding foreign terror organizations. But no, to them, Hamas is not a terror organization, right? How many times did you see these interviews from Folks at the Council on American Islamic Relations or the Islamic Society of North America or the Muslim Public Affairs Council where they could not get themselves to utter the word that Hamas or Hezbollah is a terror organization. Or they cite that somehow they're just fringe groups and not mainstream. And yet, here's a 20-some year old graduating from law school that basically says that these are all political prisoners that were proven to be funding Hamas and funneling American tax donations, tax-free donations, from other Muslims to a terrorist organization. They call that a conspiracy. So, to all those who who think that somehow this is but just a flash in the pan, but just just one radical speaker that somehow deceivingly got the platform that she did. There's a lot of things overlapping here that you need to understand. So why don't let's let's answer the question now. Why doesn't Islamists, why don't Islamists who hate this country leave and go elsewhere? Because ultimately they are operatives. They are Islamist supremacists who see themselves as soldiers, militant soldiers. And they see themselves as chosen to be here to destroy the enemies of their version of Islam. So why would they leave? They are on the front lines. The biggest threat to Islamist supremacy globally is the West. Is secular liberal democracy? So why would they go back to Yemen in their own dysfunctional countries, where their families came from, like my family in Syria? And else, why would they go back if they, if their mission is to destroy ultimately because they hate the West? How many times was I told when I testified to Congress on the threat of political Islam, or others were told? that have worked in this area, whether it's Steve Emerson or Daniel Pipes or or others, have have their associates been told that they're fear-mongering, that this is conspiracy theories about the Muslim Brotherhood Network, etc. And here we have commencement speakers basically lionizing folks that were convicted in a federal court and a jury of their peers of funding Hamas. And now they're saying that it's all, as, as the speaker is applauded, that it's American imperialism, colonialism, and supremacy, that the whole legal system, the Constitution, is a supremacist legal system that she supposedly learned about in her school and was graduating about. If that doesn't prove wrong, anyone who said that, Somehow the Islamists are here to destroy us. I don't know what does. So no, they won't go back to where her family came from because their mission is to destroy us here and to do so under the rubric of somehow it's America's fault. It's somehow the West's fault. Never mind that they spend zero time, the Islamists and her groups that supported the BDS movements. Remember, boycott, divest, and sanction this group that wants to economically strangulate Israel, which will never happen. But ultimately, this is what they're all about, isn't it? The BDS movement, the Islamist movement, the anti-Israel movement, anti-America movement, what is it about? It's about hate. It's about bigotry. It's about supremacism. And they join forces with the far left, the progressivists, the AOCs, the, the George Soroses of the world that want to dismantle the, the West's legal system. And yet, when they get their platforms amplified, for example, even the left is having enough of this. Mayor Adams of New York City, a Democrat, said in a statement a couple days ago, I was proud to offer a different message at this year's Sunni law commencement ceremony, one that celebrates the progress of our city and our country, and one that honors those who fight to keep us safe and protect our freedoms, like my Uncle Joe who died at the age of 19 in Vietnam while giving his life for our country. We cannot allow words of negativity and divisiveness to be the only ones, our students, hear. This is the common areas that I'm talking about, is that you can have a Democrat. You can have a Republican say things about America, our servicemen and women, those who've given their lives as we celebrate. As we honor on Memorial Day. As we celebrate our freedoms and we honor their sacrifice. And Mayor Adams, to his credit, called her out. Now, when Mohammed was reached by the New York Post, she declined to comment on her speech. When She was at her family's home. She said, quote, I don't want to speak to anybody. Oh, okay, so when you get the attention that you thrive, when it's about the substance the reality of the ideas that she presents she doesn't want to speak to anybody anymore no she wants to throttle us with her speech and then her allies insist that this great speech be posted because the school realized how damaging it was to their reputation now the pro-Palestinian, pro-Islamist insisted that it be posted. It gets posted, but now she doesn't want to speak to anybody. This shows you the, the psych- psychotic, the, the, the psychopathic nature of their movement. There's no love there. There's no morals. There's no ethics. It's simply about hating stuff. It's simply about suppressing and oppressing and bullying everybody else. And when they can't bully them and all of a sudden they get the attention that reveals the reality of the immorality of what they believe, then all of a sudden they go go under and no longer want to get the attention. It's time for the next deception because this one isn't working. And I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, the Fatima Muhammads of the world there are so many of them. I've talked to you about so many other examples. And we have to begin to put the puzzle together, to connect the dots, and begin to fight wokeism in the same breath, in the same movements that we fight Islamism, to fight the Muslim Brotherhood movements in the same, in the same breath that we protect national security in our border to fight for women's movements in Iran that don't want to wear the hijab, that are against the Islamic Supreme Council, with the same breath that we fight for women's rights and equality here in America. We can't be sort of this ADD approach to national security and to all of these issues as if they're not related, that somehow BLM is not related to The islamist movement in america that somehow the nation of uh islam under louis farrakhan has nothing to do with the far left has nothing to do with the progressivist when in fact we saw the synergy of the Women's March. We saw the synergy of BLM with the Black Panther movement and the the anti-Semitism and hate that's fueled from Louis Farrakhan and his millions of followers. And just now, a few days ago, they were trying to... there There was a piece about how a new biography on Martin Luther King Jr. undercut a widely cited quote about Malcolm X. And the biography is trying to revise history to say that Martin Luther King Jr. never said he thought that Malcolm X has done himself and our people a great disservice. Author Jonathan Eig told NPR, despite that famous quote appearing in a 1965 interview with Alex Haley for Playboy magazine, This is really important, Ike said, because we've been teaching kids this quote from the Playboy interview. The words King and Malcolm X said about each other are vital to understanding the relationship between the two leaders who took different approaches to confronting systemic and deadly racism in America. Their rivalry, rivalry was played up during their lives and in the years that followed, despite their overlapping goals. I would say they were engaged in an awkward dance, but they were listening to the same music. And he goes on to call it journalistic malpractice to misrepresent what King thought about Malcolm X. And he goes on. So why the revisionist history? Why all of a sudden are they trying to decompose the fact that there was an antagonism between the American Civil Rights Movement and what is a supremacist movement of the Nation of Islam and the Black Panther Movement and others now? For his credit, Malcolm X, after he came back from Mecca, decided to embrace Sunni Islam and left the Malcolm um, left the uh, uh, movement of Louis Farrakhan later on and the Nation of Islam. But to say somehow that the radicalism of political Islam, whether it's in the permutations of NOI, Nation of Islam, permutation of the Muslim Brotherhood, the Islamist, permutation of global movements from Jama'at, Islamiyah, to the Brotherhood and others, they all seem to have in common a supremacist notion of Islam. And even I himself, as he tries to soften Malcolm X's differences, with Martin Luther King. He even admits that King said, but I totally disagree with many of his, being Malcolm X, political and philosophical views. I've often wished that he would talk less of violence because violence is not going to solve our problem. And his litany of articulating the despair of the Negro without offering any positive, creative alternative. I feel that Malcolm has done himself and our people a great disservice. And he goes on to show a different version of that quotation. But the bottom line is is that we saw with BLM and others that they claim to be victims and yet they victimize those in their way. In their way for the supremacism that Became manifest in the destruction of cities across the country when the BLM riots happened from city to city. And then we go back to the commencement speaker, Fatima Muhammad. And in her speech, she called for a revolution. How many times did Islamists invoke the Arab awakening? How many times did Islamists, when the revolutions were happening against true fascism, against real dictators—from Assad to Mubarak to Khomeini to, to so many others—in which true revolution needed to happen because they were being slaughtered by the tanks, by the by the weapons of these regimes, and yet Muslims in the West invoked? The Arab Spring, for them to fight against the American government, against the British government, and claims of horrifically false, horrifically false moral equivalence between what regimes in the Middle East do, like in Yemen, where more Muslims have been killed by other Muslims, which Fatima Muhammad seems to never, not only in her speech, but never talk about, no sense of, of uh, a need to be contrite, a need to understand of the roots in which many of our families came from, that we are blessed to have the freedoms to live and, and prosper and succeed and learn and become educated in a country like America. And, and yet nothing about fighting the regimes there, but simply, no, the problem is here. And this is, this is the overlap of what we see in the history of from the Black Panther Party of the 60s, 70s to the new one this last decade to the Islamists of the Muslim Brotherhood and the Holy Land Foundation and others and what they've done in their anti-Semitism and hate for the West. And now in its permutation, we see departments so-called against Islamophobia, which have nothing to do with Islam but rather to do with suppressing free speech and creating blasphemy laws, anti-blasphemy laws here in the West, and that anyone who dares question the Islamic regimes, anyone who dares question the need for reform, that we do need reform, is targeted as a supremacist, as a, as a colonialist. So please understand the depth of the cancer that is represented by people, by radicals, by supremacists like Fatima Musa Muhammad. And that when they talk about their families from Yemen, look at what they've done to actually treat the ills, the ideas that are supremacist that their families brought with them. Are they embracing the American social contract of freedom and liberty? Are they embracing the legal system that is the greatest in the world, that protects every individual through their rights in court and, and free speech and public opinion, whatever it might be? Are those rights that they cherish and protect, or are they ones that they dismiss and fabricate as non-existent, because that's the pablum that they learn from the dictatorships in which they hail. Because that is the propaganda that they want to spread as they continue to stay here to destroy us. And this is the ultimate thing that really upsets me. It's one thing to have an enemy that is living and working with the Chinese government, that's living and working with the Iranian theocrats, that's living with a monarchy that is fueling its supremacism around the world with oil and otherwise, that just happens to maybe like America sometimes when they can invest their billions, but otherwise internally has a society that has nothing in common with the West. So, it's one thing to understand that those people don't shave, that they don't share our values, even though my family came from those areas. We embraced Americanism on day one because it allowed us to be human for the first time. But it's one thing to see those people as our enemy because they. Despise freedom and democracy and don't do anything in their own societies to live by it. And it's another thing to be raised in this country, to get a a law degree based on wherever she's going to practice or any of her colleagues are going to practice. based on that legal system and then say that it's rejected as being supremacist, as as hating it and being disgusted by it. What did they learn? What system is better? Please tell me. Do they tell us about any better systems? And to her, I'm sure it's the Islamic Sharia. Where is the Sharia implemented in which it is preferable to live? Nowhere. Because the Sharia is still in the 12th century in which it condones under the name of so many governments and under the name of so many arbitration system, it condones second and third class status of women and otherwise. This needs to be confronted. This needs to be top on our discussion as we discuss the need to dismantle wokeism to believe in this country and to celebrate who we are because Islamism is a clinic. The Islamists like Fatima Muhammad are a clinic in what's wrong with the radical left and the radical Islamists that join them. Thanks for listening to me this week and thank you for looking elsewhere for opinions that might be less Politically correct, because here I'm talking about reform, I'm talking about the beauty that is America and trying to preserve the institutions that made this country great. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This. Find me on Twitter at Dr. Zutty Jasser, D R Z U H D I J A S S E R, and also at Reform This Radio. God bless. We'll see you soon.